2: He's involved in a number of businesses.
3: He's a great role model. Telling it
0: like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katzimatidis.
4: John Katzimatidis here. It's Cats at Night, the number one show at five o'clock. And boy, uh, you find out all the news that nobody else is reporting. And, uh, uh, it's, it's interesting what's going on in the world. And, and Lydia, T.G.I.F.
2: T.G.I.F. But T-G-I-F. we're T-G-I-F. here T-G-I-F. working, T-G-I-F. and we'll be working all next week as well.
4: We're uh WABC is open 168 hours a week. That's a complete 24 seven. And we're here. If you get lonely at three o'clock in the morning, you you dial in WABC, and you know there'll be somebody to listen to in the studio with us. Uh, we have uh, uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. That are you really driving to Long Island tomorrow? Governor Hochul says I can't. I have to ask Governor Patterson what his advice is. (laughs) Governor Patterson, do you have any pardon slips left from the time you were governor so you can
3: pardon the judge? I think I could pardon the judge. Uh, You know, we'll talk about it. Everything's negotiable. Thank you, (laughs) Governor. Well, let me tell you. Uh, Lydia,
2: who do we have on today? John Solomon, what do you have for us?
5: Well, if you were hearing the sounds of cash registers ringing, it might not be Christmas shoppers. It's all those members of Congress who just ran up. A $1.7 trillion spending bill moments ago, uh, uh, sending it to Joe Biden for signature. It will be signed into law. It locks in all spending for the first year that the House, Rep- the House Republicans have no say over their first year's uh, budget. It's been decided by the Democrats as they go out the door. A lot of wasteful items in here. How much? Well, uh, Rand Paul, the senator from Kentucky, put together his annual festivist report. He set himself a record. He found... billion in what he calls frivolous and unnecessary spending. That's an all-time record. He's been doing this for many years. That's a lot. Uh, And then meanwhile, there is a lot of news going on in the election integrity space. Uh, A judge is considering what to do after Kerry Lake's two-day trial in Arizona exposed a lot of problems in uh, uh, Maricopa County, the largest county in the state. And in uh, a surprise, move, we just heard from the Texas Secretary of State, he went back and audited the entire 2020 election statewide. He did this very quietly. He put his results out serious election integrity issues in harris county which is the home the seat of uh or the home of houston the city of houston and a whole bunch of phantom voters in the city of dallas in dallas county so even in texas which has pretty tough laws when you do a full audit uh clearly there's been some pretty significant findings there as well so that's the big news on uh the uh, two days before
0: christmas
2: Wow, that is just so incredible. Can you talk more about some of the frivolous spending in that $1.7 trillion budget bill? I know there's no money going for the border, but there is going for border security in the Middle East, though.
5: That's right. Five countries are going to be able to build better border walls and better border security with using American tax dollars. But Americans won't be able to use those tax dollars because there are provisions in there that prevent that from happening. That's a pretty extraordinary um, uh, uh, problem that a lot of people are talking about. And the Border Patrol, particularly very angry to see that happen. We had the um, union president last night on our television show, and he really laced into Congress for abandoning his men and women. Um, Yeah, there's all sorts of things uh, The Rand Paul report is always one of my favorites because he finds things that no one else has thought of. For instance, there was some COVID-19 relief money that went to, I'm not making this up, a study, a $118,000 study to study a single character in a Marvel movie. Why would the government spend money on a, move, a Marvel movie villain named Thanos? No one knows, but those are the sort of questions. In the current bill, the one that just passed in the last few days, uh, all sorts of um, grants to LGBTQ uh, organizations all across the country, libraries, pet projects, bridges, uh, earmarks are back after a decade of having been banned. Uh, the 2011 Congress banned them. Uh, they were back this year with a vengeance, and there are, I think, $16 billion in special pet projects for lawmakers. But what's most interesting this year, more than any other year, we always look through these every year, uh, a lot of uh, money going to woke causes, LGBTQ uh, causes, uh, critical race theory, training things. Um, a lot of things that uh, Republicans who voted for this may regret uh, when their competitors in the primary start pointing out what they just voted for. Clearly no one read the 4,000 pages or they might not. They might have had some objections, but, uh, a lot of amazing things in the bill.
4: If you were taking a scoreboard, uh, John Solomon, uh, how much would you say, uh, we did the right thing on, on, on the money we did the right thing on versus, uh, the money that we just built through Bridges to Nowhere?
5: It's a great question, it's going to take us days. This bill is so full, and then also the bill refers to other legislation, so it's like following the money is a process. I, I think a lot of people think there's two to three hundred billion dollars of fluff in this bill, um, and that's a lot of money. It's <clears> to <throat> be about a third of the bill, if uh, a quarter to a third of the bill. Uh, we're still adding up things, uh, but if you take a look at what Rand Paul found last year in a similar spending of about one point five trillion dollars, he found four hundred seventy-five billion that. I think most people would agree on. For instance, why is the Defense Department spending nearly two hundred thousand dollars on espresso machines from Starbucks? That seems kind of out of the government's uh, bailiwick. So, are they refunding uh, the the, uh, Are they def-
4: refunding a political contribution or what?
5: <laughs> That's it. Exactly it. And. And so there's a lot of concern. His ratio would come to about a third of all the discretionary spending that he reviewed. Turns out to have things like that. Most of the people I've talked to, the budget watchdogs, that have an initial run on this, they're thinking two to three hundred billion for sure. When we're done, when we follow all the rifle shots, all the different things that occurred, we'll come back and give you a number. But it's going to take a couple of weeks before we get a full markup on it. But it's a large amount of money at a time when Americans are are struggling to make ends meet. And just think about this. We we collected $5 trillion, $5 trillion in tax revenues, and we're still going to run a trillion-dollar deficit this year. uh, That is a remarkable number to think about. It's an all-time revenue number for us, and we still can't live within $5 trillion a year. Wow, it's
2: just so sad. So the January 6th committee finally dropped their final report after 18 months of investigations. They did it late last night. They tried to put all the blame on Trump. Trump hit back pretty hard. Talk us through what what actually went down.
5: Yeah, listen, I think this began and ended with what we thought it was, an effort to try to disqualify Donald Trump from running for office again. One of the recommendations in the report is that he not be allowed to run for office again. Of course, they referred him for criminal prosecution. And uh, they say that uh, the January 6th, Event was a singular failure of a single person, Donald Trump. So, what's missing in this is a significant examination of how a $600 million a year police force got overrun by a bunch of ragtag rioters. And uh, we have been focusing a lot on that. I think you may have seen in the last 48 hours some original reporting we've done. Uh, but there are clear signs now that the uh, uh, the Capitol Police Report, uh, uh, Intelligence Division had overwhelming evidence there would be violence and storming of the Capitol going back to the middle of December. And all the time that that intelligence is coming in, Nancy Pelosi's top two aides are meeting regularly with those uh, security planners. They're helping edit the security plan. Remember, Nancy Pelosi told us two years ago, I had nothing to do with security. That's not my job. Her her staff was all over the plan that ultimately failed that day. I think next year we will get the second half of January 6th, and it'll be it won't be – Blame Nancy Pelosi or blame Donald Trump. It'll be how do we fortify this building, one of the most important homes of democracy, because it clearly still doesn't have the mindset to protect itself from a pre-planned attack like uh, January 6th.
4: Well, John Solomon, have a very Merry Christmas, a very great, uh, good holiday with your family, and and, uh, let's all pray that the new year will be good for our country.
5: I, I pray the same. I wish you guys a very Merry Christmas, and I want to thank you for all the times I get to come on your show. It's such an honor. I love all that you're doing out there.
4: Thank you, and uh, God bless. Well, he's one smart guy, Lydia.
2: Absolutely, and it's just uh, unbelievable to me just how much pork is in that $1.7 trillion bill, and like you said, John, bridges to nowhere. How well, many of them are it there? It
4: sounds like, you know, I think you said $480 million or something like that in in pork. And for those people out there in in uh, uh, you know from Miami all the way up to Canada listening to us, what does that mean? That means when you bribe, where the head politicians bribe the lower level politicians uh, with pet a, projects, pet projects. And uh, according to the analysis on the one point seven trillion dollar budget, it was four hundred and eighty. Billion. Billion. billion, that would be 48 billion. billion
3: That would be twenty nine percent of the budget.
4: So a third of, so it. a third yeah. of the budget was bridges to nowhere. But this is, in other words, just bribe. I, I wonder, I wonder what the bribe was. Uh, I'm just using the word bribe. I,
0: I don't I deal.
4: use it. The deal was uh, with the uh, mansion in West Virginia, and Sonoma
6: in uh, cinema. Arizona, cinema.
2: Right.
6: Something. Is that Arizona West Virginia, West? Yeah, no, you're right. West Virginia Arizona. just announced, the, the governor of West Virginia just announced a deal bringing in uh, a different, different companies and different developments. So maybe some of that money is going. West there. Virginia
4: Western. today uh, is getting a $760 million, billion, <laughs> Yeah, you know, you lose track of money. On, uh, right,
6: I know. Billions and trillions and
2: quadrillions.
6: Battery factory. Right. Well, maybe it has something to do with that. You know, you never maybe. know. But to see the key that people forget, they say, well, this shows that they're dysfunctional. That's absolutely wrong. This is a deliberate, calculated way of taking care of everything at the end and sweeping it together. If they wanted to avoid this, they just do it, as the governor knows, they can do this in regular well, order through committee let's hearings talk to the and guy, through a process.
4: Did,
6: governor Patterson, you were the governor.
4: I am sure that, and you had a disadvantage. Your sight vision was not as good as – you know, and did you I feel there was a violin playing behind the, the old expression, the violin playing behind your back when you weren't because you, your sight wasn't as well?
3: Um, only from the media, you know, not, not so much from my colleagues, but they would find a way. There was one time when um, I made this comment, we will be building at the World Trade Center. Now, we had started building there, but here it is, seven and a half years after the attack on the country, and we really have nothing to show for it. So somebody from the Post writes, why don't they take Governor Patterson down so he can touch the buildings since he can't see them? And um, oh. he's lucky that I didn't know where he lived or I'd have come over and touched him.
2: What's <laughs> so messed up. Wow, wow. wow. Well, we, why don't we Patterson. take that advantage,
4: though? why not we take a break. the rest of them. And <laughs> after the break, uh, we're going to have uh, uh, Ryan Payne. A uh, real smart financial... Uh, We're going to talk about uh,
2: FTX, that whole cryptocurrency when is, when is the $250 million guarantee.
4: Who's good for $250 million? Right. His Quarter parents. Million? His parents. And, and, and the bond company
3: accepted the guarantee. He's going to stay with his parents, and the deal is that um, they will put up the $250 million if he jumps bail, and he can't use the car for three weeks. That's right. <laughs> and he
6: has to be home by 9 o'clock. Right. Exactly. Is that the and he Boy? can only Thunder play video oh, games <laughs> between 5 uh, and 6. Let's
4: take a break right now, and we're going to come back with Ryan Payne, uh, and uh, we'll find out what the heck is going on. Also, there's some rumbles at Goldman Sachs. Let's take that
2: break.
1: It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
2: Welcome back. To the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show in studio, we have Governor David Patterson, Judge Weinberg, John Katzmatidis, and myself on the line. We have Ryan Payne of Payne Capital Management, Payne P A Y N E, not the pain that I'm seeing every time I look at my four (laughs) hundred one k.
4: Oh my (laughs) god, and my grocery
2: bill (laughs) from Instacart.
4: Well, I didn't know you didn't own any bits bits of Bitcoin. No, 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 no. But my four hundred one k is STX stock. No, no.
2: I, I believe in real money. Not funny money.
4: I agree with you. Uh, give uh, Ryan, uh, there's so much stuff going on with this FTX. Give us what how your thoughts of what the heck is going on.
7: Well, I, th- I think the bottom line is it's obviously outright fraud. Um, you know, obviously the Sam Bankman fraud has been extra gutted back to the U.S. Um, I don't think he liked that Bahama jail is <laughs> from what we're hearing. And um, what's remarkable is, and you just talked about it for the break, is this $250 million dollar Uh, You know, bail. I mean, where where did he come up with the money for that? And it sounds like his parents' equity in their home, which obviously doesn't account for that at all. That's not enough money to, you know, to to, maybe
4: some of the money from FTX went someplace in the West Coast.
7: You have to wonder because I said there's two individuals. uh, Obviously, they're not naming who the individuals are with considerable wealth. So, you know, we we have no idea, but I I suspect, John, he doesn't, he's not down to the $100,000 that he claims he is.
4: Yep. Yep, I, I I agree with you. Uh, I, I mean, uh, right now I, I've noticed the movements of Bitcoin, and somebody is working very hard not to allow it to go below, below 16000 Have you noticed that?
7: Yeah, I've noticed that because the news has only gotten worse, and for some reason you've kind of had a bid under the actual position, which is surprising because, you know, I, I'm willing to bet the house. I could be wrong, That it could be worthless at some point. I don't see where there's any... Intrinsic value to say it has a value at all.
4: I agree with you 100%. Uh, uh it, it has no value. This whole crypto coin, uh, uh, stuff, it's, if you can't hold it in your hand, to me, and if, yeah. the, if, you know, when I, when, when a bank comes out with cryptocurrency and the bank is guaranteeing it, or the bank, there's somebody to talk to, to me, that's, you know, if J.P. Morgan came out with it or Bank of America, Signature Bank, uh, I can understand the value because there's somebody to call up if something goes wrong. But yes. with Bitcoin, who do you call?
7: Yeah, there's no recall. Well, that's the whole point, right? I mean, the whole idea, too, is they're saying this is outside the financial system was the whole lure of it. Now, all the big believers in Bitcoin are all of a saying, well, we want to be regulated, <laughs> which is the exact opposite. What the pitch was before, but I always said it's like, well, if I have an airline and I'm going to start my own airline, it's not going to be re- regulated. And, you know, we're going to keep it completely unregulated. It's going to be outside the system. We may land where we're going to land or may not land where we're going to land. I think that's kind of what you've had here. You don't want your currency not regulated. It's insane. The whole idea is you have all these safeguards. And so your money's protected. And it's the antithesis of that to put into a cryptocurrency.
4: Now, uh, Ryan, we just printed another $1.7 trillion. And we cre- we're creating it. And the only reason we're getting away with it is because the whole world trusts the dollar.
7: They do. And the U.S. government still does have something like $300 trillion worth of assets, right? They have oil reserves. They have physical assets. They own land, right? So, I mean, even though it's not technically backed by anything, um, but to your point, John, it's, it's backed by you know the U.S., which also has the most powerful military in the world, too. That doesn't hurt either. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I think for all those reasons, you know, that confidence comes from the fact that you know, we are an economic power, and you know that's that's a big deal, right? Even, even through all the hyperinflation that we've had over the last year, all the uncertainty, uh, the dollar has been the strongest currency in the world, which says a lot about the health of the U.S. economy versus the rest of the world.
4: Yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, uh, I forget the, the numbers. It's like ninety-four percent, ninety-five or ninety-six percent of of the currencies between. Uh what is it the yen the dollar the uh a pound and uh the euro Is there anything else Did I missed one?
7: I think you got the main ones. Yeah. It, it, it hit it pretty good.
4: I mean who wants nobody wants uh uh Chinese money? I mean, you we, when me and you were growing up that was the joke Chinese money.
7: Right right. Yeah. And the yuan is I mean essentially collapse versus the dollar, you know, throughout this whole pandemic. So, you know, the bottom line is, at the end of the day, the U.S. dollar still, people still perceive the safety net of the world is still the U.S., and I think, you know, that was counter to all the pitches you heard about cryptocurrency, right? It was like U.S. dollar is going to be in trouble, especially if you have hyperinflation. It's going to devalue the currency, and we saw the exact opposite happen, which is kind of ironic when you think about it.
4: Now, the other big rumor in the street, in Wall Street, uh, is uh, Goldman Sachs wants to shake up things and and uh, push out their, uh, their CEO out here.
7: Well, their investment banking revenue is down like 40% this year. So I guess if I'm a Goldman shareholder, um, you're probably going to start to be concerned. And also, I think, you know, one of the big mistakes that Solomon, who now runs, uh, JP, or excuse me, JP Morgan, uh, Goldman made, was getting into retail banking you know, Goldman's not a retail shop. Um, and that Marcus division has been a real disaster for them. You know, they, they're losing something like a billion dollars a year. Um, so I think the fact that the the forays into to areas that Goldman's not really traditionally supposed to be in and their big competitor, Morgan Stanley, you know, has done very, very, very well there. They've expanded their wealth management business. James Gorman over there has done a phenomenal job. So I think, you know, at this point, his performance comparatively has not been as good, um, especially as their main competitor, Morgan Stanley.
4: Understood. Uh interest rates. Uh uh Mr. Powell blinked. You were yelling at him, I was yelling at him. Uh and but the European uh 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 over currency did not blink. What when's the next Fed meeting?
7: Uh, it's not until February. So you know, we're going to have a lot of economic data before we hear from the Fed again. And, you know, I, I just think the bottom line is, look, I mean, inflation, real-time inflation has come down a lot. You know, you talk about the real estate market every week, John. Um, anecdotally, a lot of my clients are business owners. Anything related to the real estate industry is they're starting to feel feel the pain, right? Things are starting to slow down. So, yeah, I think the bottom line is you're going to see interest rates and interest rates are coming down already because the bond market is smarter than the Fed, in my opinion. Trust the bond gods, not the Fed. And I think what you're going to have to see here is you're going to have to see the Fed continue to blink next year, just like you and I have been saying. We, you know, we, basically, what you've said and I've said is the damage is going to be material if they don't stop. Raising yeah, they're going to create
4: rates. additional damage that's not necessary by keeping raising interest rates. And, and, and I, rate. I believe the smarter people understand that.
7: I think they do, too, and I think the market understands that, too. And I think the market's betting that the Fed at some point here in face of the data is they're going to have to change their position. Because if you see inflation really come down next year, which I think you will, um, they're going to have no choice but to pause and maybe even by the end of the year start to cut rates, which I think is realistic because the economy really is slowing down.
2: Well, thank you so much, Ryan Payne, for all that you do. Again, Payne Capital Management, and you have a show every Saturday right after – Are you going to
4: be on tomorrow?
7: We are on tomorrow, 1 o'clock, more money. It's the best thing you can do on Christmas Eve besides <laughs> drinking eggnog, in my opinion.
4: Well, I'll be listening to you. You come on. Uh, Larry Kudlow is one o'clock to uh, 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 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock, the number one show on Saturdays. And you guys come on right after him. And
7: Larry will also La- be live.
4: Steve Moore and uh, Ryan Payne.
7: Doesn't get better than that,
4: John. Thank you so much.
7: Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you.
2: Now, uh, speaking of money, Governor Patterson, I have a question for you. So Albany lawmakers, they just gave themselves a massive pay raise, 29 percent over a couple of $30,000 bringing their pay to almost $145,000 a year. A lot of people say that Governor Hochul, she could have used those legislative pay raises and tied it to bail reform because we wanted to have judges to have actual discretion. Because right now we're the only state in the country that doesn't allow judges to use their brains. You, as a former governor, could Kathy Hochul have somehow put the two together to get what she wanted?
3: If she wanted to put it together... Her special session, which got called this week, would have to have been called a month ago because with with that type of legislation, it's not like you just go in and flip the switch. You've got to have committee meetings. You've got to vote on it. You've got to bring the people in who are antagonistic to it, and that takes a while. It doesn't take forever. If, uh, let's say, the special session started, say, November 20th or something like that, they would have had time to do it. Uh, at the last minute, it, it would have been very difficult to do. So the only conclusion I could come to is that her leverage is that she's saying that she opposes any tax, uh, increases. That's her leverage. It, it could be real, but I don't think it's scaring the legislature. And they do have veto proof majorities these days. So I was, you know, a little surprised that she didn't try to get more out of. The, uh, the pay raise. what,
0: well,
3: Governor,
6: why should she uh, sign that bill, giving them a raise? What have they done for her?
3: Well, she'd have a good reason not to sign it. But the reason that governors have balked on signing pay raises before is you're sort of taking money out of people's pockets that they thought they were going to get. So their antagonism becomes really intense. And that happened to Governor Cuomo when at the last minute he changed his mind and denied the pay raise for legislators in 1986. And believe me, by mid-1987, he was sorry he did that.
2: But what does that say about a leader that she can't even get a simple tweak to the bail reform pass? Because you even have Mayor Adams as well as the NYPD Commissioner Sewell. They're they're asking for that one simple thing to allow judges like Judge Weinberg, right? That you talk about your colleagues all the time. Absolutely. Their heads are exploding. Their, their eyes, eyes are, are bleeding. bleeding. They just want to be able to keep dangerous criminals behind bars. And she couldn't even accomplish that.
3: I think that she's in favor of it. I don't know that. She's never said that to me. I think she to is too. But I think she's in favor of it. So as she comes back as the governor now and is not encumbered by the fact that people are saying that, you know, she just got there because there was a Me Too action against the former governor, whatever it is she wants to say. The reality is the next three or four months, this budget period, I think is very critical for her to achieve.
2: But what does that say about her? How effective is she as a leader that she couldn't even get that done?
3: As I said, th- this is a difficult time of the year to do anything. Okay. But if we come back here, Lydia, April and nothing happened after that. We'll be here. Then we'll that be makes, here. Then that makes your complaint quite valid.
2: Okay, so we, she has maybe till April we can see some changes to bail reform, you we're think? Gonna That's take right, a, really, we're and if she doesn't do break. it,
3: I'm going to send you up there to talk to her. Okay. We're going to take That's a fine. break, and we're going to hear with we'll Lou Dobbs
4: uh, what he's, uh, what market has done today, and after that Zach Williams from the New York Post Albany Division to tell us what the heck is going on in Albany.
0: This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
2: Welcome back to the John Katz Matidis cats at Night show uh, here in studio with us we have Governor David Patterson Judge Weinberg John Katz Matidis, and myself Lydia on the line we have New York Post reporter in Albany Zach Williams you just had a great column that came out regarding Governor Holkel's nomination of a chief judge uh Zach Williams uh, Judge Weinberg you're very passionate about this subject so take it away
6: Zach I read your article it's a terrific article I think the governor has a real problem. Uh, Eight Democrats saying they're not going to support her nominee. Uh, This is going to be a split amongst the Hispanics because some of the uh, Hispanic legislators are also progressives. That means that she's going to have to get some help from the Republicans. Am I right?
1: I think you very well are. And by the way, as of Friday afternoon, we're now at nine Democrats. Now, there's 43 of them that are going to be in the state Senate, and she'll need 32 of them now. If your math is like mine, that means she can uh, take up to 11 Democratic defections and still get her nomination of Hector LaSalle through the state Senate. But at this point, it seems like she's going to need at least a few Republican votes. And the problem is, why would Republicans want to give her a win on this? Now, on the one hand, you could say, well, if LaSalle is too conservative for progressives, maybe he's a little attractive to Republicans who undoubtedly uh, wouldn't, probably like who Hochul's second choice might be. Um, but that said, you know, Republicans say they're going to take, take a look at it, see what comes of it. But Hochul um, is just in a really tough spot. It's not just progressive lawmakers. It's organized labor that's against. her. some of those powerful labor unions in AFL. the states, you know, the AFL-CIO, 1199-32BJ. The Carpenters, these are groups that helped Hochul win that full term in well, office we have two. and presumably are looking for favors.
6: You have two problems here. First problem is that if they reject this nominee, are going to be costs uh, to be paid politically amongst the Latino population. And the person who's nominated next is more left. That will be a win for the progressives, which is not good for the state, because you don't need to have the New York Court of Appeals governed by political ideologues. It has to be a fair An honest judiciary. The other problem is going to be that you have a situation where she'll have a big loss, which will weaken her in the in the years ahead.
1: You, You know, I think you're spot on right there. And you know, we the governor, ever since she took over for Andrew Cuomo in late 2021, has really been trying to balance all these different constituencies in hopes of winning that full term in office. And you know, you had the progressives, you had the centrists, you had you know, big business and labor groups. And I think what we're really seeing is, you know, the inevitable happening. You can't please everyone. Now, Latinos, you know, prominent leaders like Ruben Diaz Jr., for example, have been aghast over the past year with a lack of representation in city and state offices. That's one reason why Hochul appointed Robert Rodriguez as secretary of state. But on the other hand, you know, when you try to please one group in Albany and then you got two more that are upset with her. And right now, that is organized labor and progressive lawmakers. And um, especially when you get those unions involved, it just really makes it difficult for a governor to work against them. And I, you know, right now, um, Hochul has a couple of weeks to kind of figure out the situation, but, you know, With seemingly, you know, more Democratic senators by the hour announcing they're not going to vote for LaSalle, we might very well see this nomination withdrawn before it even becomes official.
3: Zach, this is David Patterson. I'm uh, thinking about the process. Even before the appointment of the chief judge, there were a number of groups that wrote letters about the commission that was set up to pick the seven judges that were eligible and it was more than I've ever seen prior to a nomination. So whoever the nomination was, it was going to be somewhat controversial. Did the governor see this coming or did you as a reporter see this coming? Because I did, because I signed one of the letters. Um, and unfortunately, some legislators, and this is just to me the height of ignorance, when they wrote the letters complaining about the process, they wrote the names of the judges they wanted considered outing them publicly and hurting their reputations when they've done nothing wrong.
1: Oh, you know, you, you know more about these things than I do, surely, from from lived experience. But I think what we are seeing is, you know, whether uh, whatever happened, the rollout of this nomination could not have pretty much gone worse for for the governor than it has. You know, uh, a lot of these groups and um, and members of the state Senate, for that matter, you know, made it pretty clear early on that um, while they might not like all seven of those nominees, LaSalle particularly was just too far to the right for them. So you would have thought maybe just maybe that, you, you know, you float, you float, uh, float the name a little bit. You, you listen to people, you talk, you know, certainly the governor was having these conversations with people, you know, more than a few people, you know, kind of winked and said, yes, you know they are asking these questions about these different candidates, you know, who, you know, what are their credentials, who might be for them, who might be against them. And, you know, as soon as LaSalle's name was, was nominated, we saw, you know, all a bunch of Latinos line up and say, we like this, this selection, but just as quickly we saw, um, you know, some real trouble for the governor and you just got to ask, you know, how much preparation and how much feeling out did she or her team really do on this?
3: You know, Zach, in 2008, when Judge Judith Kaye, the late Judge Judith Kaye, stepped down, I uh, it was believed by the commission that I was going to to appoint Carmen Saperic, who was a judge on the Court of Appeals and would have become the first Hispanic chief judge. And I can tell you now, 14 years later, though I never said anything at the time, yes, that was who I wanted to nominate. So what they did was they left her off the committee of the uh, group of seven that they selected. So there has been... You know some negotiating and I would say corrupt practices on how this has all come together in the past, but this is the most sensational of uh, an appointment reaction I've ever seen.
1: But they started. I think you. I think you, you. You. The selection process itself was already leaving progressives missed. There was some really good reporting by New York Focus the other day that pointed out that some of the, um, you know, more liberal justices on the Court of Appeals, they wanted to apply for this job, too. And their names mysteriously did not make it into the seven. You know, they're on the Court of Appeals, too. You would think uh, they might be, uh, you know, at least a couple of them. But uh, none of them made the list, and a lot of progressives were already uh, a little bit suspicious of what that would mean for who Ockel would ultimately pick. And it seems like their worst fears were confirmed with with LaSalle.
6: Yeah, but the the ideological posturing and the the lobbying to get names that certain names are acceptable and certain names are unacceptable is really not the way you should be appointing judges, especially we, the we high court. Uh, guys, we
4: have about a minute left. Uh, let's go on to uh, any other, uh, besides uh, on my list, I had George Santos. If you had any opinions, I had, uh, uh, what's going on with the, uh, uh, Chang from uh, assembly. Uh, the China. assembly and, and anything's on your list.
1: <laughs> well, I just say really quick, um, a, keep an eye out for, for bills that Hokel might say, sign in the final days of the year. There's still a couple big ones out there. um, but as for um, Lester Chang, you know, um, however it ends up, you know, politics do not always equal, uh, you know, what's politically smart is not always necessarily the fair thing, the right thing or whatever it is. But but Lester Chang, um, you know, is a Republican. He was elected to represent a district in Brooklyn, and Asian Americans are up in arms right now. About the fact that Asian or Asian <laughs> uh, Assembly Democrats are uh, on the brink of voting to deprive him of the seat that he won over allegations that he really lives in Manhattan. Now, we might remember just in the election a few weeks ago that Asian Americans really were starting to continue their movement to Republicans. And, you know, when I think of what's going on with Lester Chang, I just think of what happened um, a couple of years now, it's a decade ago, with um, Peter Liang, the NYPD officer. That was a really good – he was accused of shooting a Kai Gurley in a NYCHA project many years ago. And um, a lot of Asian-Americans were missed then that of all the NYPD officers involved in shootings, it was one of their own who was, um, as they argued, being made a scapegoat. And they're seeing the same thing right now with Lester Chang. You know, of all all the legislators who may or may not live in their districts, it just so happens that the one that the Assembly Democrats are coming down hard on is an Asian American, and they just don't think that's fair. You know, and as for George Santos, you know... (laughs) You know, he was supposedly the first openly gay Republican, Latino, Jewish guy from Na- from Queens and NASA ever elected to the House of Representatives. And now we're finding out um, all of that or some of it may be true, maybe none of it. Well, he was and married
2: he... and got divorced. And now he, he's and he... is he not Jewish?
1: <laughs> well, apparently he said that his that some of his relatives uh, were, you know, escaped the Holocaust. And I believe it was Jewish Insider the other day found that that story might not add up either. So long story short. You know, uh, he claimed all these things and now nobody knows what's true. Somebody put his, you know, George Santos with a question mark. Is that his real name? I guess we're going to find out next week uh, when he says he'll finally say something. He
3: said that uh, he will talk about it next week. And when asked why he has to wait until next week, he revealed that he is Santa Claus.
1: Oh, there we oh go. Oh, <laughs> well, Friday, Friday news dump. Back in, a, oh, my God.
4: Have a great holiday weekend and a Merry Christmas or a Happy Hanukkah, whatever you're celebrating. And God bless you, and I hope New York survives. <laughs> Thanks so much. You all take care. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, and uh, are we going straight
2: to... Uh, uh, it's up to you. Do you want to go to Gordon Chang, or you want to do it after okay, the break? let's go
4: to Gordon Chang, and then we'll take a break, and then we're going to have Dr. Mark Siegel. With us today is Gordon G. Chang, and uh, he's our in-house expert and, uh, and genius on what's going on in China. And we understand China has serious problems with, with the in- infections. Uh, Gordon Chang, Merry Christmas. Uh, tell us what's going on.
0: Merry Christmas, John. Well, COVID is ripping through the country, and it's not just the big cities like Beijing. It's also in rural areas. Um, We don't know exactly the the dimension of the problem, but um, um, there are reports that the Chinese government believes that there were 37 million new infections on Tuesday. And people are generally thinking that there's about 5,000 deaths a day in China. This is the result of the change in policy where China went from zero COVID, the draconian policy, to basically um, nothing at all. And what we have right now is a capitulation of the Chinese government to the disease, and the disease is just going rampant, rampaging through the Chinese population. Wow, that's $37 million, And I
4: saw that article it said $37 million in one day, which is – so how many – Chinese uh, do you think uh, in the last uh, six months uh, have been infected, three months?
0: Um, That's a question which I don't have an answer to, John, Uh, but we're talking perhaps about 250 million people is what people have been saying for the month of uh, December. Um, We just don't know because the Chinese government is no longer testing. It's no longer requiring people to report self-tests and they are just completely ignoring the asymptomatic cases. So there is no accurate count, and no one will ever have an accurate account. People in general, though, to put this in perspective, are thinking that this winter there will be 800 million infections. That's on the low side. Some people are saying 1.0 to 1.1 billion people. Um, The numbers are just staggering. And um, when we start thinking about the death toll, it would just be beyond belief.
4: Well, that that is beyond belief. Uh, since we have a, new, a a new term for uh, the uh, president of China, chain, uh he uh, tell us uh, what's what else has been going on in China.
0: Um, very little has been going on in China because disease has just uh preoccupied people. Because there's no longer mandated lockdowns, uh people are locking themselves down. Um and uh, we know that the crematoria are um totally backlogged right now. Bodies are lying in hospital um corridors. It is really just something that has stricken society. This, of course, is starting to affect uh, China's uh, position in global supply chains. And factories are not operating at full capacity by any means. Um, And matter of fact, um, things have gotten so bad that factory owners are now requiring employees with COVID to actually show up to keep uh, the machines running. So right now, China is just crippled and it is. It's not only the disease itself, but it's also the fear because for basically three years of uh, the, the regime has tried to instill fear of COVID. Um, and so people right now have a view of COVID, which is perhaps more, um, it, it, it's, it's, it's a fear of the disease, which is worse than it actually is. It's bad, of course. Um, but, uh, the propaganda has made the situation far worse than it need be. Well, that's sad.
4: Uh, there was another report the other day that the, the, the Chinese are upping their uh, flights and uh, to uh, uh, Taiwan. Have you heard that at all?
0: Well, there have been uh, incursions into Taiwan's air defense identification zone. Um, there are also reports that China has reclaimed some features in the Spratlys, which is the archipelago in the southern portion of the South China Sea. These were unoccupied, so it shows more aggressiveness. And, and John, this, this highlights the fact that as China has been stricken this month, it has been acting much more aggressively externally. We saw the incursion in Arunachal Pradesh in India, there's more pressure on the Philippines. Um, this report about reclamation activities. Um, we've got to be really concerned that Xi Jinping is going to try to solve his domestic problems um, by external um, adventures abroad. So this is this is a time where we really need to contain China.
4: Well, Gordon Chang uh, and your Twitter handle. If anybody wants to know instantaneously what's going on, follow Gordon Chang on his Twitter. At Gordon G Chang uh, on the Twitter. Now, tell us, has your Twitter account been working better since uh, Elon uh, uh, Elon Musk is uh, running it?
0: In fact, it has been. Um, Last summer, I I noticed that there were really strange things happening. This was, um, and I now we know that uh, Twitter employees then allowed Ministry of State Security agents from China into their shop uh, and then to affect their algorithms. And I noticed uh, a number of funny things happening uh, on Twitter with regard to me. Those have ended, um, and they ended with uh, Elon Musk taking over. So I have to assume that Chinese um, security agents were messing with uh, the operation of Twitter.
4: Absolutely. I think you're right. Gordon Chang, have a, a Merry Christmas and have a great weekend and enjoy your family.
0: Yes, uh, you too, John, and stay safe.
4: Well, he's one smart guy, Lydia.
2: Absolutely. He knows every- he It's just I crazy I just can't what get over what, what, he just,
6: what he just said to, to you Which about one? the foreign Chinese agents working with the Twitter people. I mean, that's incredible. Well, now the federal well, government. Well,
4: Twitter, if, if you don't listen in China, if you don't listen to the Chinese agents, you're not in business. You're in business for about five minutes.
2: Well, and part of that $1.7 trillion budget deal, by the way, they have banned uh, TikTok or Snapchat. Which one is it? TikTok or Snapchat? TikTok, right? TikTok, Snapchat. Oh, yeah. Donald Trump TikTok from the federal, it, yeah.
4: Banned it completely. And then when President Biden became president, he brought
6: it back. Right. And, you know, 18 states are now moving to ban it with respect to... Governmental communications. And and TikTok, the reason I'm
2: bringing it up is because that's how the Chinese are spying on us. They're using that as intelligence. And we're also now learning that that's how kids are buying you, fentanyl. We're we're, we're, They're we're buying are fentanyl dumb. on TikTok. And where's the fentanyl come from? From China. All roads lead back to China.
4: That's Ugh. true. Yep. We're fighting a war and the American people are tiptoeing through the t- uh, tulips.
2: America's under attack, as yep. you would say, John. The poisoning of America. We'll keep it right here. Cats at Night, when we come back, we'll be speaking with Dr. Mark Siegel. Where are we when it comes to the flu, when it comes to COVID? And it's going to be really cold, dropping into the teens. It's how down you... to 21 degrees right now in Midtown. Yeah, so how you can stay safe, keep it right here. Cats at Night.
1: Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
4: Well, we're back, and... Uh... Almost the end of the week. My
2: God. TGIF. I
4: can't believe it's almost the end of the week. And we have a good friend on with us right now. We have uh, Dr. Mark Siegel. Uh, Mark, uh, tell us, how do you
8: feeling? I'm great, actually. My heating is fixed. I'm very happy. But but I know you would come to the rescue because that's, uh, that's what you do. We
4: have a heating oil company out there about 10 blocks away from you.
8: Really? Yes. Hardly a surprise. I hope it's that. not
4: us that screwed you. <laughs> no,
8: it's definitely not you. It can't be. They know They know I know you, so it's a small world. Yes. Um, not them. Um, there was just
4: some breaking news on Yahoo that uh, uh, the flu is starting to uh, decrease.
8: Yeah, I saw that. That was this, today's uh, announcement by the CDC. This makes it a very unusual season. It peaked very early, um, and now... It's on the decline. And your friend, uh, Peter Mikolos just texted me an article about uh, the immune system hibernating because of the lockdown strategies. And that's, I agree with him on that. In other words, it, 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 there's an immune pause that goes on because, because your immune system is not seeing viruses. It used to see them. It usually sees them. Last year, we didn't have the flu. We didn't see them. There's a pause. It wakes up. By the time it wakes up, you're already sick.
4: Well, you know, I think we didn't have the flu for about four years.
8: <laughs> and we certainly, that's right. We didn't have the flu for about four years uh, to any great extent. Uh, the last big flu season we had was two th- 2018. The biggest flu season we had in recent memory, 2010, 2009, the swine flu. This is of that order, but and it's very early. Uh, but, uh, again, it's starting to go the down. Flu the flu really viruses new-
4: got smarter. They're not going for human beings they went to the bird flu. Mm. That's why the price of eggs is so high, by the way.
8: Well, and not to mention the supply chain problems coming to China, from China where the whole society is shut down and you can't get a Tylenol anywhere, and that's with all of these viruses going around, but at least as you said. we got to fix
4: that problem. We can't make all our drugs overseas. I mean, if China's doing what they're doing with fentanyl, if they're responsible, then, they are. They all, are. you know, well, of our antibiotics are
8: coming from China. 90% of our ibuprofen that's imported here comes from China. 70% of the Tylenol that's imported comes from China. I mean, what are we doing? And then the active pharmaceutical ingredients, that powder, Lydia, that they send around, and I'm not talking about, you know, like illicit powder. I'm talking about precursors of medicines. All comes from China. 70 80% of it. And then they shut down, they lock down, they open up this crazy strategy of COVID zero and then and then one protest and the whole society opens up spreading viruses. I mean, we don't need to be held hostage to them at all. Of course we can manufacture it here.
2: So why don't we?
8: Ask the Democrats. Ask Judge Weinberg. Isn't he on there? Yeah, I'm I'm a, judge, I'm, is I'm there a the, judge in the House? But I'm, I'm the common sense. Too many regulations. Governor, doctor, and, and I'm telling they, you, we need to be
6: independent. We it's have too to many be independent. We have to be drug independent. We have to be food independent. Why are we allowing the Chinese to buy up our? North our, America should be independent. Why are we allowing them to buy up our farmland? For God's sakes, what is I, wrong I, with us? You
4: know, we we have we have broken down our borders completely for for food, for gas, for
8: for migrants, everything. I mean, really, really. If you're if you want to get into the country legally, you got to go through a medical checkup. If you want to get through the country illegally, you just waltz right in, and then you overload a hospital or something. It's unbelievable. And then they want to pull back Title 42. And by the way, speaking of holiday travel, uh, watch out for that cold out there because it, it it constricts your arteries. And and I heard John is going to try to shovel out his driveway. No, it must, I must have heard wrong on that.
4: No, 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 no the wrong guy. I hired, wrong somebody, wrong I hired somebody to shovel the driveway. <laughs>
8: You know, there's a study out there, Lydia, that shows that uh, 50% of men try to shovel their own – 67% of men decide to shovel their own driveway, 50% of women. But women are twice as likely as men to hire someone. Now, that shows how smart women are. That's exactly
2: right. You know, my husband, he wanted to mow the lawn and everything when we first bought our house. I said, absolutely not. We're going to hire somebody. And as soon as the landscapers came, he was absolutely thrilled. And he said, thank, thank you, very you very much. much. Well, you,
4: We're at the end of the week. We're at the end of the of the year almost. And uh, it's Christmas weekend. And uh, Merry Christmas to all. And to all a good night. And uh,
2: and uh, Happy Hanukkah, too. And uh, hopefully, you know, health is wealth, right? Dr.
4: We're- Siegel, thank you so much. Happy uh, Hanukkah.
8: And Merry Christmas to you. Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas. And
4: Judge Weinberg, Governor Patterson, Lydia Serrani, take care of that f- uh, six-year-old. and Yes. Uh, and... Uh, Truth, justice, justice, and and the American American way. way. God bless America. Thank you for listening.
1: Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.